Hello, hello, it is New Testament Friday. Let's hear the applause from our studio audience that does not exist. We're so glad you're joining us here at uh, New Testament Friday, deep within the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. We, uh are happy to have you here with us as we do our final Bible reading and our chronological reading plan for the first quarter of 2023. You should have completed your very first quarterly reading plan, and you should be moving on to your next quarter's reading plan, which looks curiously just like your first quarter except it has three different months in it. So your reading, our reading, is uh, Luke 7 and Matthew 13 for New Testament Friday, Friday, Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. Good stuff. All right. So we, we got uh, quite a bit to cover here. Uh, question for you. Um uh, yesterday, Old Testament Thursday, um, I tried to do a break in the middle and add a the commercial, the Spotify commercial, right in the middle of it. Um, my replay showed that it did not work, um, but I don't know what you guys saw. Uh, maybe it worked different out there for you. I don't know, but uh, that's where I placed it, uh, but it didn't seem to work that way. So um, I'll just do a regular run through here put the commercial at the beginning like I normal do uh and we'll uh we'll go from there I have to try and do things a little differently so uh if I want to get the commercial somewhere in the middle so all right well here we go it is time to get into the word Here we go, parable of the sower. You are probably familiar with this parable of the sower where the farmer sows the seed. And uh, as we know, the parable goes and uh, some of the seed fell along the path. Some of the seed uh, fell on the rocky ground. And then other seed uh, fell among the thorns. And then other seed fell on the good soil. Okay, various things happened as this sower sowed his seed, the farmer or the sower sowing his seed. Uh, the seed that fell on the rocky path, it says uh, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. And then other seed fell on the rocky ground where, where they did, uh, where they did, uh, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But the sun rose up and scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. So th those got a lot of press, those seed that fell on the rocky rocky soil. And I think that has a... That has a I'll get into that part later. So, okay, the other seed fell on the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Another seed fell on good soil, and it produced grains... It produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. 
Uh, he who has ears, let him hear. Okay, uh, Jesus goes on. Uh, first, they ask him about why they speak in parables, and he says, uh, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. He says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed be uh, see, but never perceive. For this people, for for this people's hearts has grown dull with their ears they can hear barely they can barely hear their eyes they can they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand what with their with their heart and turn and they would be healed so he goes on uh later on a little bit down here at verse starting at verse 18 and he explains these parables and uh this parable and uh Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the hearts. This is what was sown along the path. For what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who has, hears the words and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself and endures for a while. And when tribulation, persecution rise up, count for the word, immediately he falls away. Um, uh, this is the most common when someone hears the word of God, maybe they attend church, maybe a friend shares it with you, maybe a neighbor, or they hear the word of God just, just through, uh, their, in, through their life, through someone who they're connected with, <clears throat> they hear the word of God and they, they want to believe it. They want to engage it. Uh, but they're doing it under their own power. They're not surrendering or submitting to God. They see uh, some joy in the person. They see some some peace. They see some purpose in life, and they start to follow along. But life comes, beats them down, and because they never truly had a transformation of heart, they never truly surrendered their heart to God. Uh, it beats them down, and they they never truly change they don't they don't maintain the joy they don't continue to pursue god it was something they tried and it didn't work so um then it goes uh, as for what was sown in the rocky ground the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet has no root and endures um as for the one who sowed among the thorns it is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of of rich of riches choke the word and proves unfruitful as for what is sown in the good soil this is the one who hears the word and understands it he indeed bears fruit yields one one case a hundredfold some 60 and some 30 so the, what this says is uh, really uh, which it says in other portions of scripture is many people receive the word uh, but the ones who bear fruit are the ones who truly received it. And what does fruit look like? Uh, fruit can be others coming to Christ. Fruit can be uh, the joy of the Lord in your heart. Fruit can be you want to share Christ. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that others receive Christ, but if you're willing to share Christ and, 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 and you are someone who proclaims and professes and lives out your life as a believer, there's fruit to that, that sometimes fruit we never see. Um, obviously, uh, there's fruit of the world too. So you, you can mark someone by how much they're engaging, how long they're engaging, 
what what do they continue to do or not do? Okay, that's the fruit. Uh, when their life changes, that's the fruit. When they stop doing the things of the world and start doing the things of the word, that's the fruit. Um, sometimes it's it's massive amounts of fruit. Lots of people come to faith. Lots of uh, the kingdom advances in a great way. That's barrels of fruit, um, hundredfold. And others, it, it, it's a little bit less. They 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 live their life. God wants all of us to have barrels of fruit, uh, uh, but the truth is, is that not everyone does. But um, this is what He's called us to. Uh, parable of the weeds. This is an interesting one. Another parable before them saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed seed in a field, but while his, while his men were sleeping, his enemies came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And then what happens is the wheat grow, the weeds grow up with the, with the, with the crop. And then it says at the end, it, he said, uh, he says, do we, do we, uh, the harvesters came and said, do we cut out the weeds? He says, no, you might ruin some of the good, the good crop. So he says, let, let, this is verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. Then at harvest time, I will tell the reaper, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. I'm going to talk about that burning in a minute because we got multiple references to that in these readings today. Um, Parable of the mustard seed or the comparison. It's kind of a simile. The mustard seed as well as the leaven in the bread. This is uh, just small, small beginnings can grow to mighty, mighty impact, to to mighty fruit, mighty trees. So it's saying that small faith can become huge uh, as in the mustard seed. It can grow into a a large tree. where the birds can come and nest and come. It can be a support for many, many different uh, people. Uh, the one about leaven, it says it just it, it, it goes into the whole loaf. So uh, when, the, when the, the leaven comes in, it might be just a little bit of leaven, the little bit of word in you, but it permeates into the whole, into your whole family, into your whole community, into your whole workplace. It, it just keeps permeating out. And so those two have similar uh, aspects to them in that just a little bit of God can have large amounts of impact. Uh, Parable of the weeds is explained. He comes back and explains the weeds. Here's here's this explanation. Um, uh, 38, the field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of king of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed it is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. So he's really just given this one up. He is absolutely identifying every single aspect of it. Um, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father who has who who has ear ears let him hear. So uh 
just prior to that, there's another quote from Psalm 78 uh, regarding, uh, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundations of the world. God, uh, Jesus Christ spoke in parables in order for us, in order for the people who, who God wants to bring in, he brings in. But this, this um, within this parable, there's such a... Uh, an explanation, a detailed explanation to this that that really impacts uh, a, the doctrine of eternal separation from God. Um, some call it hell. It's not technically hell. Um, but, and it doesn't say hell here. Uh, it says fiery furnace. And uh, they will be thrown into the fire first. In that place, they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, explaining an ongoing suffering. Um, those who don't think there's a hell, those who don't think there's an eternal separation from God, where there's an eternal punishment, let's just say that, uh, these parables are described in that way. Um, multiple parables, Jesus refers to this. And... Um, We'll, we'll, we'll hit another one uh, in just a second. So first there was the parable of a hidden treasure. That's verse 44 of chapter 13. Kingdom of heaven is a couple of short ones here. I'm just going to read them. They're real easy. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven, this is parable of the net, is like the net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into the containers and threw away the bad. So it is at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another, another uh, pointed description that talks about this eternal separation for those who reject God, for those who choose evil, that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in a place he calls the fiery furnace. This is uh, it can be a literal description. It can be descriptive of the pain, of the of the burning, um, but it's called a fiery furnace. And so this is uh, this is a consistent theme throughout Scripture. It's, there are people and there are camps that say that there is no hell, there's no eternal punishment, um, and I just do not see that in the consistency of Scripture. There. There is a separate, an eternal separation that whether you believe in literal fire or a burning of regret and, and resentment um, for being placed there, well, however you want to look at it, I just want you to understand that there is a cause and effect. There is a distinction between those who call on the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior and those who do not. And, and the distinction is an eternal life with Christ 
or an eternal separation without Christ. And with that eternal separation comes punishment, pain. And whatever that actually is, whether it's fire or just a burning uh, of regret, uh, it is going to be forever. So that's what the Bible says. That's the consistent message in multiple places. Uh, so now we have um, new and old, 51. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has tr- has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And this is the job of pastors and leaders and teachers is that we are responsible for a house, and that's a household or a group or a, a people. And we are our task is to bring out what is new and what is old. We're, we're to, to bring out of from what's in. So uh, whatever's in you, whether there's something old that needs to be uh, refined that needs to be laid at the cross, or there's something new that uh, you've discovered, whether it's a giftedness, uh, an inner, um, a desire uh, that God's put in your heart. Uh, we're trying to draw that out of you, and uh, for the for the for the bad, for the sin, for the for what's uh, the negative, we want to put it on the cross. We want to give it over, surrender it, and. Go towards the new. So that's that's our function. That's our job. As we understand these things, that's what we're trying to draw out of you. The next part is the rejection in Nazareth. Jesus goes telling parables in his hometown. Uh, the hometown hero, not so much. Uh, because they listen to him and they hear his mighty works. Where is this man? Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So they are in awe of what Jesus is bringing to them. But then that quickly goes to, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and John and Judas and Simon and Judas, sorry, and are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet, (coughs) excuse me, is not without is without honor, is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. A couple of things going on here. Um, Tough for for a prophet to stay in his hometown uh, because everybody knows the shortcomings or his upbringing or his lineage. And we know Jesus' lineage as we've talked about that through Matthew, uh, Jesus seemed to take, uh, God seemed to take the least uh, as he pointed to Christ who was coming within that lineage, pulled those things out. Just uh, uh, not what you'd expect of the Messiah. And so they know that. And so they look at him. And, and so his past, even though it's not necessarily him, his past is his lineage. And just not um, up to snuff. But then they say, isn't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? couple of things now. Um, there are 
our Catholic brothers and sisters that think that uh, Mary was perpetually a virgin. She never had any other children. Uh, this text, not this one alone, but this text clearly says there were other children because these are not talking about disciples are not his brothers. Talks just about his father and his mother, his earthly father, Joseph, his, his mother, Mary, and then his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Yeah, Jesus had a brother named Judas. Um, not that Judas. Uh, so none of these people were believers. None of these people were his followers while he was alive. James was later, um, and Judas was later, and we know him by his book that they shortened so they wouldn't be confused of Jude. So. Um, and it says all his sisters. And so there's at least two because it's plural, but the word all lends us to believe there's probably more than two. Probably had a bunch of sisters as well. And so um, their life is also a reflection of Jesus. And they are not following him as Messiah at this point. So when his family doesn't even accept him, what are the townspeople to think? And that is just the commonality. That is just the truth. So uh, I'm going to take a sip of beverage here as we jump over to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I have A&W, zero sugar. I don't have coffee because it's the afternoon. So, <laughs> so but if you're in the morning... Have yourself a cup of coffee. Yesterday, the coffee of the week was New England coffee. It was caramel macchiato. Not one of my favorite blends, but the coffee was pretty good. I could I could taste the flavor of the coffee in there. Um, yeah, not one of my favorite kinds of coffee or flavors, I should say. <clears throat> so let's jump over to Luke chapter 7. Where are we on the clock? We're in 22 minutes. Not too bad. So... Uh, Jesus heals a centurion. This one I like in that it talks about authority and that the uh, centurion came to him. He had a servant who was very sick at the point of death. He goes to Jesus and he tells him, he says, uh, you know, can you heal? Can you heal my servant? And uh, Jesus says he was going to go to him. And he would follow him to his home. Um, and the, the centurion says, when, he, uh, Lord, do not trouble yourself. This is uh, the end of verse six. Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant servant be healed for I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, I say, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this thing, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Two things going on here. Obviously, Jesus can heal even when he's not there. So that's a, that's a cool thing. Um, but the under authority, we talked about authority a few weeks ago in a message. And that's an important thing. Believers 
followers of Jesus Christ understand authority and your faith in Jesus Christ is represented by your submission and respect to all authority. It doesn't mean agree with all authority. It means there's a submission and a respect. And how there's a way to respectfully disagree. There's a way to disagree under authority. I'm the first one to say I haven't always mastered this, but I'm seeing how important it is. God keeps bringing this up again and again and again for me, that there are correct ways to speak to authority, and there are incorrect ways to speak to authority. There's ways to lift up authority and help them to see the godly way, and there's ways to push back against authority and let them see the evil that pushes back against the ultimate authority. Because isn't that exactly what Satan did in his pride, in his uh, hubris, he pushed back against the authority of the Creator. And when we push back against the authorities that God has set in place, then we are pushing back against godliness. We are pushing back against surrender to Christ. And so I'm learning that as I go. I'm getting better at it. I'm still not there. None of us are. But I hope to plant that seed. And this centurion got it. And he wasn't even Jewish. He was Roman, but he understood authority. And he understood that authority functions within the kingdom of God as well. Within the spiritual realm, there's an authority that is at work. And some spiritual uh, beings rebel against authority and some are fully submitted to authority. So in the physical, why is it any different? It's not. What are you going to be? What am I going to be? Am I going to be someone who rebels against authority and reflects the enemy of God? Or am I going to be someone who submits to authority and reflects the, 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 the family of God? There you go. There's your additional authority message. Uh, Jesus raises the widow's son. That's a cool one. He just felt bad for her because it was her only son and she was a widow and had no one else raised him up so he could care for his mother. That was great. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, message from John the Baptist. Here's one. Here's one many of us can reflect on. We come to times in our life where our faith gets a little low and John just about to die. He's, he's sentenced to death. He's in prison and he sends his servants. Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? He's basically saying, am I dying here for nothing? I'm happy to die if you're the one. <laughs> I think you're the one, but I have to be sure. And Jesus kind of says, quotes him, Go and tell John that what you have seen and heard, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. This is from Isaiah. This is the Isaiah prophecy about the Messiah to come. He's saying, just go tell him that. He knows Isaiah. He knows the prophecy. He'll put two and two together. Go let him know. And so his, the messenger went back. Uh, we don't. Um, 
and and then there then the uh he's getting questioned about John the Baptist as that continues on um he says I tell you those born among women none is greater than John yet those who are least in the kingdom is greater than he um he said we're going to do greater things for J and then then again we talked about this last week for John the Baptist has come to eating no bread drinking no wine and you say he's a demon the son of man has come eating and drinking and you say look at him a glutton and a drunkard friend of tax and sinners yet wisdom is justified by all her children <clears throat> so we talked about this alcohol thing the wine and uh there's just lots of Christians, lots of camps, lots of uh, denominations believe Jesus never drank, but that's just not what the scripture says. And uh, as I grew in the Lord, as I grew in my faith, I started to realize that, I mean, I was, you know, raised in, under one of the denominations that says no drinking, no drinking, no drinking. And and, and I, I, I do believe that uh, drinking is it can send you down a bad road. There's no doubt about it. Some people have some real issues and struggles, and they should stay away from alcohol. There's no doubt about it. Um, the problem is, is that the Bible doesn't speak against alcohol. It speaks against sin. And alcohol is a portal to that. Not for everyone, but it is for some and kind of in our culture, in our, and, and, and for many, uh, it leads to the debauchery. It leads to the bad behavior. It leads to the lowering of inhibitions because uh, you are filled with the influence of the alcohol as opposed to being filled with the influence of the spirit. Many people don't have issue with that, and that's fine. Uh, and so, but again... I say, those who do should refrain. That's all there is to it. Um, then the woman, the sinful woman who comes in and anoints his feet, kisses his feet, puts oil on him, and they call him out on it. And I love his response. A certain money lender had two debts, two debtors. One owed 500 denaria and the other owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them loved him more? And Simon responded, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And that's just true. 47, verse 47 of 7 says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. How do you look at yourself? How do I look at myself? Do I look at myself as a, uh, a, 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 a sinner? Used to be a sinner. I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven much. And I love Christ much. Or do I think I'm pretty good? And uh, I didn't have much to forgive. So I don't have much love for the Savior. Even though I'm saved. Even though I gave my heart to Jesus. Even though I'm living a changed life. I really wasn't that bad to begin with. We need to look at ourselves like this woman looked at herself. We need to realize that we're all complete rejectors of God. And he's forgiven our debt. And he's invited us into his kingdom. And he's paid the penalty so that we could get in. What an amazing debt. How much has been canceled? 
do you even truly understand? I hope you do. I hope you know how much you've been forgiven. This has been Wake Up to the Word. Go to our website, wakeuptotheword.org. Sign up to get uh, information. And uh, we hope that you keep listening. This is episode 26. We passed 25. We've passed, we're up to 700 uh, plays. Uh, This is, we're moving. I thank you so much. Share it with a friend. Uh, go to wake up to the word, sign up for the, for the information. We, we get it out. You can find, uh, Jeff's stack of stuff there and, uh, we'll be changing out the, uh, the, uh, chronological reading plan. Sorry. I went to the Bahamas there for a minute, but, uh, we, uh, hope you come back and see us and, uh, keep listening and we'll see you next week. This has been wake up. To the word. We love you guys. Keep on listening. I'll be back. Thank you, Arnold. I think they know that. <laughs>